Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Search Engine Journal Show. We have a really interesting show today. We have the whole team from Marketing O'Clock joining us to talk about podcasts. Um, but before we totally dive in, let's get a word from our sponsors. Want to learn more about Ahrefs? Check out their blog or YouTube channel for step-by-step -step SEO tutorials. And their seven-day trial is only $7. So head over to ahrefs.com and sign up now. For instance, when looking at competitors, you can see the pages and content that send them the most traffic. You can find out exactly which keywords they're ranking for and which backlinks are helping them out. And then from there, you can either replicate or improve on their strategies to make yourself even stronger. Our sponsor for the show is Optio, who makes managing Google Ads accounts simple and efficient. It automates time-consuming manual tasks so you can spend more time on strategic and creative work. Whether you work at an agency with a large number of accounts or you're a freelancer responsible for a smaller portfolio, Optio can save you time and make life that little bit easier. To learn more and get a six-week free trial of Optio, go to optio.com slash S-E-J. That's O-P-T-E-O dot com slash S-E-J. Awesome. Maybe we can just take a quick moment. Um, my name is Brent Satoris. I'll be your host. And I'm going to go ahead and let everybody have a moment to just kind of introduce themselves, partly so I don't screw everybody's names up, and also just so that they can kind of, you know, mention themselves in a better light, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, go ahead, guys. Great, and I can start. I'm Greg Finn. I'm a partner here at Cypress North and one of the hosts on Marketing O'Clock, part of the fabulous Search Engine Journal Network. And I'm Christine Zernheld. I am a digital marketer at Cypress North, and I have been a co-host on Marketing O'Clock for the last year. And she never says AKA Shep. Oh, yes. But <laughs> we call her Shep on the show. It's really important. Shepard is my maiden name. Yeah. I should have said that from the start. <laughs> And I'm Jess Bud. I am a digital marketing manager here at Cypress North, and I've been with Marketing O'Clock since I think before it was even Marketing O'Clock, which we'll talk about in a hot minute. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. The cool thing is with um, with the uh, podcast in general is that we typically try to talk about various different skill sets. You know, on Marketing O'Clock, you guys focus a lot on like current news and what's really moving and shaking, which I personally love because it reminds me, and me and Greg have talked about this a lot, about like old like SEO rock star days, right? That was like, you know, when you would kind of get Greg and Todd Friesen would sit there and kind of talk about like what was happening, but not so much like, hey, here's news. It was like, hey, this is what happened and this is how stupid it is or this is how amazing it is or this is how you can use it to totally hack Google. And and in those days, that was like brilliant, right? That was what you really wanted. It was almost like taking the conference bar conversations and making it, you know, a part of a real show, something that you could record, put down and listen to. Of course, not a lot of people knew it existed, you know, in the big scheme of things, you know, marketing and then was a couple thousand people, not a couple million. Um, and so it, it definitely, uh, was a different time. But I think um, marketing a clock really kind of accomplished that for me. And um, so I've always thought that was really cool. But in podcasting in general, um, I don't think we've really done a show that talks about podcasts. And I think that a lot of people have launched them. A lot of people are trying to launch them. A lot of people are interested in maybe even understanding just how to, at a basic level, how do I uh, join a podcast and do a good job. Like, you know, we've, I don't, you guys don't necessarily have guests, but we've had a lot of guests over the years. And sometimes guests come on on a cell phone in a car, you know, and it's the, 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 the audio is not as great as it could be. So if nothing else, maybe this will help people 
you know, learn how to be a better guest on a podcast. But I'm really excited to talk about podcasting with you guys. And I guess I think um, a really great place to start for everybody to kind of understand a little about your team um, and your podcast in general is I'd love to ask, like, what? Why did you guys decide to even make a podcast? You're not like, you, you, you guys are an agency, a marketing agency, a pretty well-known one with a great track record to boot. But you guys, you know, uh, what was the interest? What was the desire to kind of turn around and create a podcast? Well, well, first off, it's funny that you said SEO Rockstars with Todd and Greg. And, you know, those shows that was really Rockstars. We're more like Guitar Hero. If they're the rocks, they're talking about parties in Vegas and the penthouse. I remember all those shows. Oh, yeah. But, you know, if we're relating back in the day, I really love the daily search cast that Danny did, um, where he every single day talked about the search news. And he did it in a way where he brought his family in. And when I say Danny, I mean Danny Sullivan. Danny Sullivan, yeah. Yep, who's now at Google. And it would just be updating. And it was a way you, you could listen to it and really enjoy it. And that's that, I think, is a little more where we are less around the rock stars ah. but it, it really started where we were trying to have some social content and we we're trying to put out videos in general and we all would get down and basically shoot a video and cover something specifically and it took a lot of time to do so it was a really arduous process where we'd edit these videos and we'd cover these specific topics and we'd have it every single week but there was a lot of editing that went into it and then, Jess, I guess, why don't you start? Because it was pretty much your idea as well as to why we shouldn't do that. Yeah. So, it, like Greg said, we were doing it as a video and it was, you know, shot ahead of time and edited later. And it was kind of like between two ferns style, if you know that uh, little mm -hmm. skit out on the YouTubes. But <laughs> we were just like sitting in chairs and it was kind of super awkward and it felt, you know, unnatural because we were super nervous. So, it transitioned. We said, what if we just do this live? And we did a couple of live <laughs> videos and for some reason we screwed up less. We actually did a better job that I think the pressure just helped us like really focus and have to do it. And to do it live, you know, we started experimenting with different mics and better equipment. And one day Greg and I were just sitting at the table doing a mic check and we were just shooting the heck, you know, talking to each other. And we we're like, oh, we have a really good vibe. Like this could just be a podcast. We don't even need video. And that's kind of how the podcast was born. And we do still do video, but we're, you know, really just recording ourselves doing the podcast. But the podcasting format is where we found the sweet spot because we can just banter a little bit more with video especially on the more produced side, it, it just feels like you have to be more rigid and more newsy, whereas podcast is more conversational. You mentioned that, you know, um, doing it live kind of put you on the spot and kind of allowed you to, you know, either focus. I always like to think live just allows us to be a little less critical. We don't have the moment to like think about what we just said. We just got to roll to the next sentence. And so I think we're mm -hmm. actually just forget that we're making the mistakes that we are or we're, that we're, we're, we're screwing up the way we are. Um, but either way, why did you decide to do it live, but then edit it and publish it later? Why did you decide not to actually make it a live show? Um, it was. Oh, okay. It was for a few episodes. Yeah. And that was just to save time, right? Not having gotcha. to edit okay, it okay. in post. But we found that, you know, we could if we did it as live as we could and then just had the comfort of knowing we could edit something if we stuttered or screwed up a word or, you know, heaven forbid, say something that was inaccurate, we could go back and fix that. And I think it just, we still kind of operate on the vibe, like let's get through this as much as we can, but then we can say, oh, you know, sorry, Hope, who's our sound engineer and have her fix something and post if we, you know, screw up a word. Yeah. So, uh, I, go ahead, Greg, sorry. I just think there's a little more safety net, <clears throat> right? Where when you're doing it live, you have to be 
just so meticulous about everything. Um, and one little mistake or something could really throw it for a loop. And you just have a little bit more confidence to go out there. And if something happens, you, you can go back and fix it. And sure. it's, that safety net is really important. And well, I mean, our, our, our podcasts have been that way too, right? We, we record it and do it. What were you going to say? I was just going to say the live was a little bit before my time. Actually, when they were doing that, my desk was like right next to it and they would be shooting live and I was off camera and I was like nervous for them, but it also <laughs> helps doing it not live because it gives us a little bit of flexibility. Like when you're doing it live, you have to tell your listeners, we're going to be on it this time. And we actually do have other work that we do for our agency as much work as the podcast takes. So it's nice that we can push it back an hour if we have a client meeting or if we don't have our prep notes ready in time. That's a little bit of a safety net too. Well, Shep, you, you know this is live right now, right? <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> don't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, it's interesting because um, in, in kind of keeping to kind of the early part of the show, because you talked about a couple things there that were, you know, in your mind, you are familiar with those processes that you went through right, of creating social content, turning it into a podcast, then deciding to go live. But from somebody listening to the show right now, that in their head is very fast. Like that doesn't necessarily line up to like a clear understanding of that picture. So can you discuss a little bit about how you decided? I mean, think about it like both historical for, you know, telling your story, but also somebody who's thinking about, I want to do a podcast, but I have no idea what to do. Right. I don't, I don't know what to talk about. I don't know what to cover. Like, how did you guys take the, the desire to create social content to the desire to do it live to creating the podcast? And how did you turn that into what is the formula that you use as marketing o'clock today? Like, obviously, that transitions over time continuously. But initially, there has to be some sort of like, hey, wait a minute, let's make this a show. And what does it mean to be a show? How did you approach creating the show outline and the structure and the process and what you wanted it to be? Yeah, so I think one of the things that, that we kind of realized soon when Jess and I were sitting there just cracking up the camera people um, is that the entertainment value was, was really important, right? And so that's something that we kind of were able to pull out and as the show evolved. And I say all the time, like, nobody cares about the news. Even though we do a fantastic job covering the news, <laughs> we want people to laugh and have a good time and enjoy the, the time spent, right? And, and the main goal is to get people to laugh and to smile and to have a good time. Um, so I think that that's one of the, the big things, at least on my side, is that, you know, we get a lot of feedback from that. People, you know, jump in and DM us all the time and say, here's what our favorite parts of the show are. And they're, you know, like, you know, well-known digital marketers and like this is cracking me up and this is great so i think that's that's one thing that's very important for us that's interesting that you mentioned i, I want you to go on, along and talk a little bit more maybe each person can kind of share a little bit more of the, like their view of how they structure that but i do want uh, to to ask about that particular point because i do think it's interesting with humor one of the things that we were really looking at we've been doing a lot of evaluation of podcasts in general like how are they performing what's the roi all these type of things um, and, and one of the things that I found is that in marketing, our topic requires a level of concentration that um, our job doesn't afford us in most cases, especially when we're not taking drives, you know, with the COVID stuff right now specifically. But even beyond just the COVID stuff, um, it's one thing to listen to Joe Rogan and hear somebody talk about something. It's one thing to hear a podcast that's kind of, you know, like serial, that's got a storyline. 
where if you miss a couple lines here or there, it's not as impactful. But it seems like in marketing, if you miss a couple of the lines in a podcast, it can really screw you up for following the, the line of thought or the, or the trajectory. So adding humor is probably extremely effective in our space, especially because of that need to like give somebody a sense of satisfaction and a sense of a breaking point um, with, a, with a topic like marketing uh, in general. Yeah, yeah, I, t I totally agree with that. And, you know, there are so many different things. And one thing that's really worked for us is that we don't anymore do these like really deep dives, you know, where you can miss something. You can zone out for a piece of SEO news and come back for the social, right? And along the way, you're going to hear what crazy stuff Shep is watching on YouTube. And you're going to hear what's happening with Jess and what the most recent disaster <laughs> and it's like you don't have to care about all these different things you can pick and choose what you really want to focus in on and so you would recommend people to share about their personal experiences to kind of be a little vulnerable do you feel like that really connects you well yeah i'd say both me and greg are big podcast consumers um and everyone i listen to is pretty funny like, I just think it helps you connect with the show and the host and just being like yourself and being authentic. And like a big part of part of our humor is always like self deprecation and just being really <laughs> honest with the listener. Like, we're following the news, we're doing our best. But if you're coming here for like to get every single perfect detail, right, like we're always going to correct ourselves. But the number one thing we're here to do is just have a conversation about what's happening in the news, be ourselves and hopefully keep people engaged. And I think that really helps the humor aspect. So how do you guys, maybe Jessica, can you speak a little bit about like, so obviously humor, right, is a great thing. Um, being personable is a great thing, but there's got to be substance to the show, right? And you have to figure out kind of like what that substance should be. Um, and more, more and more, I think I was just listening to Jay Bear uh, at the e-summit that we just had, where he was talking about creating more specific content, less general content, right? Like really diving in to different topics and um, really kind of showcasing like something that satisfies a specific, you know, group of people's needs. And Marketing Clock does that by categorizing your news, right? You're like, mm -hmm. here's some PPC news or here's some social news. But how do you approach, like, how did you guys approach the format for the show when you decided like, what do you want to cover? How many news stories should you cover? How long should you dedicate? to each one which categories should have gone into it how did you approach the the format of the content so that's it's obviously evolved over time um, to be where it is now but I think what we tried to do at least as far as structuring is to break things out into unless it's a main news story then it can be anything but in the lightning round we cover all PPC news in one chunk and then organic news in one chunk and then social. And that to Greg's point earlier is just so that people can follow along kind of with what they're interested in. Mm -hmm. And then as far as how much to cover, I mean, we're marketers first, right? And then we do the podcast as something that we do, but we're not professional podcasters, we're professional marketers. So we think about it just from ourselves, like what about this story is important to us? What is stupid to us that we can comment on? What are the real world, you know, implications of something? And then we can kind of jive about that. And if humor comes out of that, great. If we have to pull in a story about our personal life to make it funny, great. But there's no perfect formula. I mean, the secret sauce is probably that we don't have one. It's just about vibe. And that comes mm -hmm. obviously from doing it for a living um, as well as just reporting the news. So I, I know that a lot of you tend to um, 
have your moments to rant or diatribe <laughs> and kind of, you know, uh, trail off. Uh, Greg especially tends to um, find something to, 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 to get upset about. And Shots fired. Whoa, Brent. Whoa, whoa. It's true. <laughs> it is true. But um, do you guys have an unspoken kind of line? Do you have like a self-imposed limit on how far you go? Do you worry about potentially pissing off Google or pissing off a client or pissing off somebody who could be a client? Um, I know that a lot of times in, in, in the consulting and agency space, we filter a lot of what we want to believe from either political or, you know, sociological or uh, business, you know, topics because of the concern that we might alienate somebody. Um, how do you guys approach, you know, being careful not to piss too many people off? Um, we're not careful. Yeah. Um, that's the, the short answer is honestly, we don't pull any punches. And I mean, we're not a vulgar show. We don't swear or anything like that, but we tell it how it is. And, you know, like even a few weeks ago where Google announced that the ads and search is going to be overseen by one, we called them out and held their feet to the fire and talked about an article that John Henshaw had. Um, and that's another thing that I think is really nice is that, you know, we Search Engine Journal is now the go-to for news, but there's also other things out there and we can bring these in and we're not beholden to just one thing. I'd say that, you know, Search Engine Journal probably makes up 75% of the articles, but we pull weird articles in and things from all over the place and we don't pull any punches and we don't filter ourselves. And I think that that's something that, that really, you know, it really helps the show and, and, it's our honest opinions and you know, Brent, you know me, I, I don't have a filter. Behind <laughs> yeah. But if you I was our client, like, I think if I was our client, the most important thing is just being honest. Like we want to give people real advice that we would follow as well. So the number one thing is just being honest with our listeners all the time and not giving them advice that we wouldn't take ourselves. Have you found a, a situation like yeah. personally where you're talking about something that could bump into an actual client? No, uh, I can't think of a client example. Maybe Greg can, but the biggest thing we always go back to is like the Google partners changes and we are a Google <laughs> partner and we're out here saying like these new changes that are coming into place aren't good for our clients. Like they're making us Google salespeople and that's not what we want to do. Like we want to do what's in the best interest of our clients. So that's an example of something like we could, they could come and take our partnership status away, but we want to make sure that we're telling the truth for our audience. And one fun thing too that we do in our show is we have something of, of what's working well in our accounts or what's not. And in there, like if we just whine about a client specifically or complain about that, it's not something that other people, other marketers are going to learn from. Mm -hmm. So when we do something, we say, hey, this specific element of Google ads hasn't been working well. Or this is something that I found to deal in general when you get pushback from a client. So that isn't going to ever help anybody. So we want to just whine about a client, let's say, or something. So we don't Not really necessarily do whining about a client. Plus we but have if, the best if, clients anyway. It's what true. would we say? There you go. But I mean, it's not even about a client whining per se. Like we bump into it a lot because we have a lot of tool companies. We have a lot of agency, like, you know, we have a lot of advertisers that if we, you know, sometimes when we report news, it, it, it can, you know, Google and, and partners that we have, 
those can, you know, we can bump into those and they're, they're quote unquote clients to us, right? In some senses. And so we, we, we've always kind of like just really focused on making sure that anything that brushes that line, we, we do a lot of double checking. We do a lot of, we make sure that we try to get quotes from those sources. We, we try to make sure that there, there, there's nothing that could be seen as an attack. It's more like reporting right? This is just reporting what's necessary, what's important for us to, to, to share. And we take it really, you know, serious um, and, and really kind of talk about it internally. Um, that's what I meant more is like when, when a, a, a article that you're going to talk about may impact a client or may represent a client's industry in a way that they would be like, damn it, why'd you bring that up? Why did you bring more light to that? That's what I was asking more than like just whining about a client. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, maybe it's, it's, it's a certain company that, that something, you know, was brought to light and we should cover it or not. And typically we cover it and try to cover it with respect, right? Like, I think that that's, that's the most important thing is not mm-hmm. coming out of a place of hate, but like, hey, this is what happened. And this is why there's people are talking about it. Right. And exactly. That I think is really important not to just gloss over, at least for us. Although, you know, we are a part of Search Engine Journal and we do, um, you know, need to, to be careful about that stuff. But, you know, I think it's just the way that you present it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So we talked a little bit about like, you know, some of the aspects that can make a show really appealing to an audience as far as humor, as far as personality and like having some, you know, uh, you know, uh, professional discourse amongst each other and kind of having some fun and, and poking some fun. We talked about the idea of kind of looking at like the format of how you would discuss things or what you would kind of shy away from, you know, for people that are thinking, I want to launch a podcast. There's a lot more than just a concept. There is a platform. There's mics. You know, what are you, you know, recording on here that's going to make your voice sound clean? Um, how do you keep a good connection so that you don't have little, you know, draws in, in, in the audio? And how do you, you know, structure your cameras or where, where are you, what platform are you using? Are you using Libsyn? Are you using Spotify? Or, you know, how are you publishing your, your you know, your different, you know, uh, media sources, you know, and stuff. Um, what do you guys, can you talk a bit about how you're structured? Like, what do you, you know, maybe even like, what did you kind of start using and how did you make the decision to maybe upgrade things or to add elements? Cause I know from our conversations, you guys have a very high quality setup for your, your recording, but maybe not everybody's going to be able to do that. So what do people need to look at from a setup standpoint? And that's a great point. And we've gone like full circle of life where we started with nothing. And, you know, one thing that, that really we thought was a big advantage for us is, A, we're all friends and like each other. We sit next to each other in the office all day. And that's something that other podcasts can't have, right? Mm-hmm. So we built a studio. We had the, we uh, built a custom desk with my dad. Like we had everything ready to be like locked down. And so when we started, we had, I think, a, a Yeti mic, maybe a $100 mic or something mm-hmm. like that that we were using and a basic, you know, webcam, something like that. Which I have now, just so you know. Right, and it's, <laughs> that's and it's, what it's, I'm using. I have a, like a too. basic. Yeah. But that's more than adequate. Like yeah. even the Yeti is more than adequate. You can have just a phone now. That's the mm-hmm. beauty of it. And so at the peak when we, before COVID hit and, you know, we were in New York and we were completely shut down as a professional services company, we couldn't go into the office. Um, you know, we had to adapt on the fly and we hadn't had video for a while and, you know, we found ways to get it back. Um, but, you know, in the office, we had two compressors, two preamps. We had a 
eight channel mixer. Um, you know, the, the, the mics that we like the best were Rode Procaster and maybe we can put it in the um, show notes or just link over sure, to it. Sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In the article so you can see everything. So I don't have to talk about what the pro MPA two preamp is. Um, <laughs> but you know, we had um, some, some high quality stuff and now we're doing it and we don't, I have maybe a $30 headset on and I'm going off my laptop monitor because I have a pile of equipment. If you're going on YouTube, it's search engine journal on YouTube. And you can see a pile of, you know, thousand dollar equipment that's not being used next to me. So, you know, I think, I think the big thing is there's a lot of audio equipment and we'll happily put it in the show notes and you can go check it out yourselves. And we experimented with a lot. Like there's one mic that works best for me. It's a Moran. Just, just make sure nobody takes out your affiliate code from the Amazon affiliate link. <laughs> well, we're going to use yours. That's, that's who we're going to use. Go. <laughs> um, and so then, you know, we, we have, there's some, some webcams that work really nice. You know, there's a nice Logitech 920 HD Pro that we use. You can't buy them anymore, though, because of COVID. <laughs> just, like, sold out everywhere. You got to go to eBay. Um, but it's really, like, do you want to do it? And, Brent, you talked about the eSummit before with Jay Bear. Mm -hmm. And I thought one of the questions you asked after was so insightful in the Q&A when you're like, so how much really does quality matter? And he's like, it doesn't matter. He's like, it doesn't matter. It matters that you have that niche that you should do it every day that you don't give up on it. And like you have that routine and you have that system in place and it's speaking to the same audience over and over again. And I thought that was like, I was like, that's like one of the things. That we yeah, it, it was really interesting because he has like um, some of his stuff is extremely produced, right? Like really, really high. And then he has the one show where people are just on cell phones, like and just filming yeah. themselves from an angle and talking. And now I, I haven't gone back and looked at like what's his like success metrics on each different type of show. But I think that, that that's an interesting point. And it, it was where I really learned that more than anything was when I read a book called Contagious, right? And, and Contagious um, taught me, like it really talks about why things go viral and how it's really not what you think it is. Like everybody has this conceptual idea of like, this is why things work, but what they really work is more like social patterns and wanting to belong and wanting to follow and kind of like some of these little structure things. And so it, it, one of the big factors was to have what they call social currency, the ability for somebody to want to gain something. Nobody talks about your podcast really because they just want to talk about it. They want to impress somebody by showing them that they're in the know. They want to impress them with information that might make them happier in which they gain some sort of karma or some sort of credit. Or they want to share something that's amazing because it's an entertainment value, right? So there's always a reason to share and it's always that currency that you want to provide people in your content. Um, and then, it, you know, the book goes into a bunch of other reasons, but that's what really kind of pulled that question and that concept from, you know, Jay Bear's whole thing. Yeah, that was a, that was a great, a great panel. I, I really enjoyed that. And that makes total sense, um, you know, and, and so I guess to, to finish that, that initial question, there's just so many free tools out there that you can use to podcast. And it's really about you, you know, like we yeah. found a niche, a niche being like, we're going to cover every single bit of news from the past week and it's going to be fun. You're going to laugh. And if you don't laugh, we'll give you your money back. Um, but <laughs> you know, like you can do like you, Brent, you mentioned like Spotify, they bought anchor.fm. You mm -hmm. can record a podcast on your phone. You can edit it in an app on your phone and you can be up and live. It, yeah, it's, and it's that easy. 
And it's super simple. Like I, I helped um, my girlfriend's a yoga uh, instructor. She's a studio owner and she's a teacher trainer. Um, and um, she launched a podcast. It took me all of about two hours to set up a site, set up a name, get on Lisbon, you know, set up Libsyn. I always say it wrong. Um, and then, uh, you know, do the iTunes, do the Spotify, everything. It just took a couple minutes. And even to, to, to publish everything, to have it out there, to have it, it just really is super simple these days to do. Um, but yet you went from having, you know, just two people to having, you know, three and a half people, right? You have three people that are like show hosts and then you have, you know, um, you have a back end individual who kind of manages, I think it's hope, right? Um, manages kind of your technology in the back end, right? So how, obviously it can, it can become more complicated if you want it to be. Um, why did you decide to kind of grow your team out? Well, was that because of the equipment that you had got? And um, side question, if you could go back, would you just go back and do it easy again? Um, I can speak to that. So I don't think I would go back. I think that the formula that we have now works really, really well. And I think that that's because it kind of evolved organically. I know I keep saying that, but that's just how this went. So in the beginning, it was just Greg and I, right? And we had Hope as our sound engineer. So she's the 0.5 because she's mostly doing her technical job, but sometimes she pops in. And that happened because Greg and I would be talking about something that's like not to, you know, age ourselves or date ourselves, whatever the phrase is, but we would be talking about something like old people, right? And she's our resident Gen Z slash millennial. Yeah, she's on the cusp. (laughs) She likes to claim millennial, but she's totally Gen Gen Z. Z. Yeah, she is. But (laughs) she would like look at us or like snicker or have a comment and we're like, we need to get this girl a mic because there's a time when the things that she has to say, whether it's about the news or pop culture, like it's hilarious. So we got her a mic, she would pop in and and that just kind of worked out. Like when I asked Shep if she uh, had ever watched Simpsons and she was like, no. And I was like, what? How is that possible? Uh, I I actually asked Greg if it was possible to just shut her uh, camera off (laughs) and replace her with Hope, but uh, Greg said no. I'm not a cartoon guy. I mean, full disclosure, Shep, I've only seen like two episodes of The Simpsons, but I've seen other cool cartoons, so it's okay. But um, yeah, I mean, Shep, she came about actually because I was about to go on to maternity leave last year. And we're like, we need somebody to, to fill in for me. And it was the best thing that ever happened to the show was we had her on. And in the beginning, it was the three of us just so she could kind of get used to it. And then she took mm-hmm. over for me when I stepped away. And I came back from maternity leave 10 weeks later. And it was this most beautiful thing like she had just blossomed into this amazing host from somebody that I, I don't know if we forced you into it Shep but I think you're a little, a little bit. apprehensive yeah <laughs> and now it, it's like the best and she's just the funniest person ever so again that's it, awesome I can literally feel the love coming through yes. <laughs> is my hype man I am I am we we love our Shep but we were talking yeah. about this before like we all kind of pick up where the other one leaves off. Like Jess is our, she, she sounds like she's a real news reporter sometimes. <laughs> like she, ha, she prepares really well and she has her wonderful notes and she has like her transitions all set up and her segues. And she like keeps us on pace and gets us through the show. And then I'm kind of there to read the news and make fun of everyone. And then <laughs> You're the jester of the show, chef. Yeah. And then Greg's there, you know, he is the most experienced and he's always going to be there to back us up and tell us, why things, how we got here if we don't necessarily remember. So yeah. we Or get angry. Up. Yeah, or get angry <laughs> for us. I'm good at that. Awesome. So with that in mind, let's kind of talk a little bit about, um, I, you know, I kind of want, you know, we talked about like 
and I'm trying to keep this in, in, in perspective for, for the audience who's like looking to create a podcast as well, because you know, we're so friendly. Sometimes it's easy for me to digress and just start rambling about various things like Simpsons and stuff. But um, what, you know, one of the big challenges for people, like we've gotten to a point now where somebody could say, I want to do a podcast. Uh, this is the concept for my podcast. This is the formula for my podcast. This is the, the, the equipment. They're going to look in the show notes and buy everything and be like, this is I, my equipment is set up. Um, I know who I want as a host. And now they have a podcast um, and now they're recording. Um, and the next phase is really to go out and kind of promote yourself, right? Go out and, 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 and share with others that you have this podcast. And this is something that you guys had to do. You, you, you had to launch it and then go and tell people about it. Um, can you speak a little bit to like some of the things that really worked in your mind for promoting the podcast and some things that maybe didn't? Um, because I think we could say there's a hundred theoretical uh, things that you could go do to promote anything, whether it's an article, a podcast, a video, whatever, right? There's these kind of known marketing channels that we all are comfortable with. But from a podcast point of view in the marketing space, you actually had to do this. Um, and, and, and I'd love to hear some of the things that you actually learned from that process. Yeah. So I guess before getting into our partnership with SEJ, which kind of really moved the needle for us promotion wise, um, we do a lot on organic social media and we haven't really touched on this yet, but a lot of our content is really sourced from the digital marketing community, mostly mm -hmm. Twitter. We're not really LinkedIn people. We talk about that <laughs> a lot. Um, so we have like our new segments and we have articles from search engine journal and, you know, different publications in the industry. But then a lot of our content is just a tweet. Like our source is a tweet and it's a hot take from somebody in the industry about what's going on or, um, a new Google ads feature that they spotted in their account and they just tweeted about it. And we kind of pick that up and have that in the show. So then we have our organic tweets every week where we talk about the different sources we have for the show. And then hopefully they'll want to listen to the show and retweet our tweet. And nice. it's kind of just become this like nice cycle where our sources are our listeners and we're this great community. Um, and so you really play helps. in that side, you just play on the vanity side, right? <laughs> it's one of the things I used to do for years, like with writing articles, I would write an article. And then as soon as I was finished, oh, this is an article about like something that's kind of a psychological approach to writing. Then I'd go and be like, who's the neuroscientist out there? Who's the authors who are writing about this? And then go and grab quotes and send them the article and say, would you like to quote about this? And then put them in the article and then tell them, oh, hey, here's your quote in the live article. And then everybody tweets the article, right? Totally. And our sources and our listeners are just awesome to the point where at the end of the year last year, we had to do an award show about, <laughs> like, we gave a lot of awards for like BFF of the show, our best paid source, our best organic source, our best social That's source. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Shout out Glenn Gabe. Nice. for the show from 2019 but yeah and to back uh, back what shep was saying you know we'll know like hey pamela lund has a tweet out there it's going to be a fire tweet we call her the queen of spice you can look at her twitter bio this yeah. is queen of spice marketing clocks official queen of spice or something like that it's like a real community you know and that's something i think we're really proud of is, is involving people talking about people um and letting them be seen letting their hard work and stories be seen is is hopefully goes a long way. Want to learn more about Ahrefs? Check out their blog or YouTube channel for step-by-step -step SEO tutorials. And their seven-day trial is only $7. So head over to A-H-R-E-S. 
fs.com and sign up now. For instance, when looking at competitors, you can see the pages and content that send them the most traffic. You can find out exactly which keywords they're ranking for and which backlinks are helping them out. And then from there, you can either replicate or improve on their strategies to make yourself even stronger. Our sponsor for the show is Optio, who makes managing Google Ads accounts simple and efficient. It automates time-consuming manual tasks so you can spend more time on strategic and creative work. Whether you work at an agency with a large number of accounts or you're a freelancer responsible for a smaller portfolio, Optio can save you time and make life that little bit easier. To learn more and get a six-week free trial of Optio, go to optio.com S-E-J. That's O-P-T-E-O dot com slash S-E-J. You, you make a, a, a point right there that I want to elaborate on and that I had kind of forgotten about or I hadn't really put into my, my question list, but hard work. You talk about hard work right now. How long do you guys, what do you put into these shows? Like what's, what's your, your, what goes into, you know, a marketing o'clock episode? Far too much. <laughs> Far too much. <laughs> well, people I mean, want to know that, right? I mean, people are listening and they're saying, okay, I can see marketing and clock has a great community. And that's, in my opinion, the hardest thing of any of it is to get people to join your community, right? And that's what you guys have done, which I think a lot, you know, our show actually has not been able to do, right? Um, and, and, and it's to build the community. And, to, and I think it's because of the effort. Like, I'm just not putting the effort in that you guys are, and I'm not putting the, the, the time and the sweat equity into it that you guys are. And so I think a lot of people wanna know, like, how much effort is this going to be? We all have different roles that we play, so I can speak to what I do. I spend about probably two hours, sometimes more, like reading through my articles. We'll say three and like preparing for the show because I'm also earlier in the week, like reading the news all the time and looking for articles. And then we spend probably one to two hours recording every week. Um, and then I do a write-up for Search Engine Journal that kind of recaps the show and hopefully we can rank for um, some of our bigger news stories organically and people can find us that way. So that probably takes me another hour. And then I spend way too much time on these darn tweets we do every week (laughs) 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 where I'm just trying to be funny. Um, But yeah, then I probably spend another three hours writing tweets and then um, promoting the show and tagging people that are different sources for the show. Mm -hmm. And then I, I do, um, teaser tweets on search engine journal social media which are like little clips of the show so we have to pick out the clips and then i write funny captions i just did air they're fire they're really good you should follow search engine journal on twitter at se journal on twitter it is worth it yeah so it looks like it's really fun but i spend like way too much time agonizing over those so do you guys have like a a lot do you have like a a tip line do you have i mean obviously people can message you or or tag you or stuff like that but do you have like a a, you know like a uh, an email that people can send you know tips to or do you have things set up for that we We do have info at marketingoclock.com but honestly twitter people can tag us in anything that's going on and we'll see it do you get a lot of people trying to tag you in their own stuff because they want to get their articles included or has it not gotten to that point yet? Not, not a lot. ton. No, Andrea Cruz is always like, oh, search engine journal, search engine land or something. In the marketing clock, we're like, what are you doing? Like, we don't like <laughs> that conversation, but it's, it's, it's funny. And then, you know, the other thing that we do is we have a Slack channel and anything mm-hmm. that any of us sees um, at the company, we just toss in there. And then on Thursday or Wednesday, 
you know, a day before we record, um, I run through and kind of prioritize things. Some things don't make the cut, others do, and we kind of collaborate back and forth, and we have this prep note that's just like our guiding light for the show that covers everything. And then sometimes things pop up. Like, uh, you know, earlier this month, there was that, um, that Snapchat conference that happened right at the same time of the show. Somehow we turned it into the main story. We got artwork up, we got everything going, um, and had it launched that Thursday, you know, night um, that, that the, the show came out. So it's, it's a lot of hard work and a lot of being really flexible. Yeah, for sure. And just to talk about what goes on in the background too, other than what Shep does agonizing over tweets, we've got Hope, obviously, then, you know, after we record the show, she's got to edit it and she makes the video look really nice. And then we also have our design team making the uh, graphics, like Greg said, or the artwork that goes along with the blog posts and everything like that. So there is a lot of background too that you don't really see and I mean you know then you listen to the show and it's what about an hour and people Mm -hmm. think that that's it and so much more goes into it just throughout the week but it's worth it I think we end up with a really good product yeah I think that's worth it that's really what it comes down to is I always used to say you know it's horrible to spend five hours on something mediocre when you could spend six hours on something amazing right you know it's like why we stop right before we really put the, the energy in that makes it amazing so often. And whether it's content, video, everything, it, it, it's just weird in my mind that we stop that one bit before. And, and so I think that it, it definitely is cool to see you guys go so much further with, with what you're doing with it, you know, and making it a fun show like that and making it really interesting. One of the things I've noticed about the show, and I think, you know, a lot of people, when you're looking at podcasts, um, struggle for content, right? It's like, Ooh, I'm going to do a podcast. And like, it's episode 10. And I've talked about just about everything. So now what do I want to talk about? Right? What am I going to go into? You guys have a timely news show, but not everybody's going to have that same kind of show. Um, but one of the things that, uh, you can do to kind of alleviate that is to have a guest on. Right. Bring a guest on. Let them talk about their expertise. Let them talk about their experiences. Um, kind of like what I'm doing with you guys right now. We're talking about podcasts. You tell me what you know about podcasts. Right. And I get the benefit of looking smart and bringing smart people on. So my show's done. You guys get the, the opportunity to have some exposure. I get some exposure. I'm producing content that didn't take me a lot of time. I can literally just you know, call you on a phone or call you on my computer, have a 30 minute conversation and give it to my team. And then we're done where you guys, you know, for a newscast, obviously are spending many, many hours. Um, so why do you guys not um, or have not had any real guests on the show on a regular basis? Like, um, is it was it a conscientious like decision? Did you talk about having guests and decided you didn't want to? Um, what's the reason you don't really bring guests on your show? So I think, I think there's a few reasons. And first we tried that for a little bit. We called it off the clock. And so we'd have two shows a week. And I think one of the things that immediately jumped out is like, you can tell the rapport that we all have and Mm -hmm. it's, it's super fun, loving, great, but then it changes, right? It changes based off of who you're talking to and it's not as uniform. And then I think the other thing that's tough is just that booking nonstop, right? So can you get somebody that fits that specific niche every time? Or are you going to start talking about um, uh, technical SEO and then Facebook ads and then data studio? Like, how are you going to keep people on was one of the things that we looked at it and we're like, this takes a lot of time actually to get a guest on. You rely on how good they are and not everybody is great, which is a problem, right? A lot of people are fantastic, 
um, but you're really beholden to that. And I think one of the, the, the negatives towards what we do on the, new, the news side is this is not evergreen. There's nothing evergreen sure. about what we do. I mean, Brent, somebody could be listening to this podcast about podcasts, you know, in 2023 and still get really good information out about it. Um, but so there's a lot of different pros and cons to everything. But for us, we just thought that the combination of us all just couldn't be beat. That was our strength. And why don't we just play to it? Yeah, I I, th- I found it quite interesting, honestly, with guests like we um I probably get about like 10 requests a week to be on the show. And one of the things that I had to make a decision very early on was to not allow people to ask to be on the show. Um, It it was just problematic to qualify whether or not they had, partly because it's search engine journal as well. And I was very much like, I, I want to give anyone the opportunity. It's not that I don't want to give people the opportunity to be on the show, but I need to be able to personally validate the level of expertise. Is this somebody that I truly believe is, is knowledgeable and testing and really doing the work that is required to be an expert in our space? And I think you know, all of us kind of know that it's a big industry and the number of people that are testing and really doing the work behind the scenes and really connected to the source with Google and, and, and being involved in these things is a much smaller percentage um, than the people who are just in the industry. And so um, we had to kind of get away from that. But I feel you on the rapport thing because it can be it can be challenging. You have to warm up on the fly with somebody that you don't know if you really are going to warm up to or, or warm up with, right? And, and, and have to kind of figure that out. So sometimes your jokes fall flat and sometimes your, you know, attempts at humor don't work or, you know, you it, it comes off very, you know, stiff sometimes. And so I definitely can appreciate that. Um, have you thought like, would you have a guest or is it just a flat rule that you don't, or have you, you know, I mean, is there an exception to that that you would do? Like, is it? Yeah. So we've thought about that. And I think, I think we'd want to work it into the show a little bit more. So it wasn't necessarily all about a guest because I think the news segment, news and entertainment let's call it entertainment with a dash of news uh, <laughs> format works well. And some, you know, our whole thing is we have just joke segments the whole time. Like we'll have something that's ICYMI and we don't actually explain what ICYMI is. And we have a segment <laughs> called WTH and things like that. So if we had something where we want to get actually expert analysis, maybe we could do like, you know, get them on the blower or something like that, where we have a phone call, mm-hmm. have some expert insight on something, um, you know, maybe it's technical SEO or something like that. That's definitely not out of the, the picture, but I think really hitting all the news is, is where we're at, but I don't want to speak for anyone else. Where, where, where I thought, and I'd love to hear your other thoughts um, as well, but I, where, where I just initially had that thought where it might work for you is um, spokesmen from the company, right? You're talking about a Google partners change having somebody from the Google partner (laughs) program coming on and actually speaking to that could, could definitely uh, be interesting for both entertainment value and fireworks and and debates and discussions. And also I wonder if it wouldn't just be great from a standpoint of if it's a new show and you're having a representation from the source of the, the, the story, would it not, you know, allow you to raise your authority level with, with listeners as well. The fact that you're connected to have the ability to and make the effort to draw in sources from companies or from those individuals like Glenn Gabe or any of those guys who actually made that quote to come on and talk about why they made that comment. 
Yeah, that's a great point. You know, I think that, you know, we, we're, we've gotten to this part where we're really comfortable and really proud of what we do each week. And then it's like, how do we keep on getting better? And yeah. that's a great idea. Love it. So yeah, go ahead. So please, I, Jessica. I was just going to say, it's funny you mentioned jokes falling flat, though, with people that you don't know, because my jokes fall flat every week with these two and they know me well. So <laughs> oh, there's just, always that risk, no matter what. Or well, you, know, you, you never know if they fall flat or that's part of the joke that you don't get, right? Are they just like <laughs> pretending that it's flat and laughing on the inside just to screw with you? You never know, right? Fair enough. Thanks I for making me roll my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, do you, do, do, how much of your show benefits from the video versus the audio? It seems like, you know, to really get uh, all the facial expressions and the humor, you'd really prefer to watch it in video um, rather than just listen to it. Um, do you find that more people tend to resonate with the video version? Do you get like more kind of feedback from that or is it kind of mixed together? I think it definitely helps even like just with our as we're recording, like if we're in person or if we're over Zoom like this and we're able to see each other, I think it just makes it like a better experience and we're able to kind of riff off each other more and see each other react each other's reactions. And it works a lot better than when we were on hiatus from video for that little bit. Um, so that's really nice. And we're working really hard on the production quality. We're on the Search Engine Journal YouTube channel so more people can see us there. Um, we definitely have more listeners on Spotify, but I think people should check out the YouTube for sure. It's a better experience, in my opinion. That's hard for her to say because yeah. she wants people she to see her on YouTube. Her own face. <laughs> Who is this? I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. Okay. I, I don't love being on camera, but I don't watch it on YouTube. I listen. But if our listeners want to see me roll my eyes at Jess's j jokes when they fall flat, check out the YouTube. <laughs> Awesome. My mom loves it. We might have to we might have to push a little bit and uh, see if we can say we need like a blooper video reel for for Shep there, you know, just <laughs> to like, you know, have a good five minutes of blooper reels. Like, have you guys done any blooper reels? Have you released any blooper reels? And if, if not, why the hell not? Not externally, but we should. Brett, that is a fantastic idea. Jess has the worst. She is champion of the world's worst puns ever we should have one channel of the worst puns and then just shaped eyes rolling right after dude that would be beautiful like why haven't you done that i i think you should make a point to to pump out a couple of those definitely in the next month or two i think your your fans would really appreciate it and i for sure would definitely appreciate it and i could probably make sure it gets promoted a little bit more than normal as well awesome <laughs> that would be a punishment for me. Uh, uh, they all fall flat, Brent. They all fall flat. No, he's laughing on the inside. I, I'm, I'm laughing on the inside. I'm containing, <laughs> containing either the laughter or the pain. I can't, it's like a weird, like emotion doesn't quite like define itself yet. Um, it was kind of a painfully laughing thing. I don't know. Um, I'll take either one. Um, so <laughs> one of the things, one of the things with shows in general is, um, and, and I really think that you guys are in a great position to kind of answer this. Um, what really is the ROI? I mean, everybody has a sense of, of what they think it's going to do. Right. But if I can ask you very, you know, point blank, like why you've done the podcast for a while. Sure. It's fun. But it, it, it's it's hours spent. It's hours away from client work. It's hours away from closing business. It's hours away from work. Um, what's the return for you? Well, if you're looking at like today's money, um, there, there's nothing. I mean, we have access to some tools and things like that that we get to to do for for advertisers. Um, I mean, 
this is really sort of a long-term play for us where, you know, we want to, we, we actually debated halfway through. We, so we've done this for 126 straight weeks through Thanksgiving, through Christmas. We have not missed a week doing the show. You know, every Friday morning, you're going to get it. And, you know, we debated at one point, like, should we keep on doing this because we're not seeing anything specific? And we're like, well, the show is actually getting really, really good. And we're all kind of like, we need to keep keep doing this. And that's when we kind of reached out. And we're like, we've got this thing dialed in and we love it. You know, so I think you know, what is the, the benefit of it? Well, anybody that listens to the show, like, you know, that we're good people and nice people, yeah. <laughs> um, but we also know our stuff too. Right. And so like, hopefully that, that goes a long way to say, you know, I mean, you go to a conference and you get up and you might be in front of 300, 400 people. And, you know, we're, three four times that you know and it, it's something that i think again it's a community of people that that really care and we're, we're tied into stuff so it's really hard to give an roi but you'd look at this and say this is a huge failure and somebody else like us would look at me like this is this is really good we're really proud of it well one of the things that that i have mentioned and talked about a lot in marketing business um and and i've been really critical kind of privately about um, individuals and companies is that a lot of people just don't know what they're talking about. Um, and I, and I don't mean to sound harsh about that. I, I, I think that in general, there is a small percentage of people at the top of any field that are really taking the time to learn and understand and test any field and a whole bunch of people who are being, you know, a big chunk of people who are like following those people to make sure that they're on the cusp of knowing what's happening. And then there's a bunch of people who just don't care, right? And they're just like taking that information in. And I think that um, a lot of business, I've seen millions of dollars spent on friendships, period. No other reason. I have three companies. They're all three equally good. They're all three gonna accomplish what I need. I don't really need the, the, the outcome to be out crazy. Uh, I'm at a certain level. I want to increase by a certain percent. If I increase 10% or 12% or 13%, it's all good. It's all improvement. It's all going to benefit, you know, my role in the business. So if I can give you my friend, the business over this person who I don't know, because I know that I can interact with you and I can work with you better, then I'm going to give you that business. Additionally, the ability to get information from experts is invaluable. The ability to say, hey, we have a friend of the show and Glenn Gabe, and we know that we have this rapport, so I'm going to reach out to Glenn and ask him a personal question about something that we have for some client work, and he's going to give me the answer that he's an expert in, and I didn't have to pay for that information because he, he's just a friend helping me out. That stuff is invaluable. And I think that... Um, we always used to say, if you go to a conference, sleep through the sessions and, and, and stay up for the networking because the networking is where all the information is. Um, and, and that might have changed over time a little bit, but it's still, you know, an important part of it. And I think that uh, some of the ROI from a lot of the ROI from podcasting is not tangible as far as how much money did I make and how much traffic did I get? Um, even though those are great metrics to have and, and, and they, they should be, you know, you should try to track those and do those if you can. I think a lot of the value is, um, you know, really just being connected, right. And, and having that access. Totally, Brenton. And just to turn this on to you for a second, that e-summit event that you had, um, back in the beginning of June, I bet you're looking at that the same way. That was one of the best 
conferences, virtual conferences, and amazing software and amazing events throughout the entire day. But I bet if you're looking at the at the the ledger, you're probably like, this is this is you know this is in red right now. Yeah. But looking at it with you know clear eyes and looking at to the towards the future, that is that is money, right? Yeah, and it's interesting because that conference really was. I mean. It's really hard to talk about because, you know, it comes from so many different directions, right? It was, um, we were planning to, to go and be a part of a major event. We had, you know, plane tickets. That starts to come into question. We end up deciding, okay, well, we're not going to be able to travel. So maybe we can, you know, we've done, we have a big platform. Maybe we partner with some people and put together some of the, salvage some of the events and, and help people kind of salvage some of the events um, to turning into why don't we do our own event um, to what are we trying to really accomplish? Let's make sure we're getting the best of the best, like really try to hand pick like, you know, what's current, what's happening, what do we want to talk about? How do we fit it in? And, and then the amount of work that went into putting that conference together in two months for I think we had over 7,000, I want to say at least 7,500 people attend um, the event. Um, and uh, the feedback from everybody was so astounding. Um, we're super happy. But yeah, absolutely. There was zero. Um, and that's even from the, we, we did uh, SCJ summits in the past that were live. And um, we always had a bit of a, bit of a guessing game trying to to tie well we got an advertiser around the same time period and they weren't really discussing things with us so did they come in from the event or you know it's never gonna it's never like ticket sales making money it's never like sponsors making money it's it's more like they just offset the pain you know um but (laughs) i i think that specific event um had a, a lot more meaning to us we had you know covid um we felt like we were in a position where we were lucky in the world because our business wasn't as directly tied in the same way that so many other businesses were. And we had, um, I guess a feeling of wanting to give to people something that would be beneficial to them. Cause we almost canceled the event. There was all the, the protesting on that day was a blackout Tuesday. I mean, it was meant to be like, there was a lot going on and we decided that like, what we could do for people was not protest, but to provide them something that could help them with their businesses and help them grow and become more successful. And that was more important to us to empower people than to um, necessarily cancel the event, you know? And so it was a, it was a, it was a tough decision and and a lot goes into it, but yeah, you're right. The ROI is definitely um, is personal at some stake level uh for for being involved and but you know even when we've done you know i mean you guys uh, have you know found value in the authority it gives you the expertise the connections and um you guys also have been running you know um ads and stuff on the site you guys you know uh get you know advertisement we run the advertisement i think uh through through marketing o'clock and so there's there's benefits in, in in ways of getting advertisers you can always look at that as an roi for anybody that's listening um you guys have set up analytics and metrics what do you guys track for marketing o'clock like how do you track your growth and your visible your visibility and stuff like that 
Yeah, so we use um, so we use the best podcasts are tough to get really good <laughs> analytics on, but Spotify has some really good analytics that you can sign up for. And we like to look at just the level of engagement, right? So we want to see a that people are connecting and tweeting with the show and reaching out and doing all that. Um, and the people are actually listening to the whole show. That's a, to mm-hmm. us is an important thing. And you know, our shows generally last around maybe an hour, 10 minutes. And we have a part at the end where we don't even talk about marketing. We just shoot the heck. And so I think in general, people listen about 35 minutes to anywhere up. Some shows have over an hour that people listen to. So that's one of the big indicators for us from a quality standpoint. Um, And then we just look at downloads and then plays on YouTube. And, you know, even since we've been back, people watch a lot of, of the show on YouTube. You know, I think, you know, our, on a weekly basis, the first one that we brought back with video, I think we had about 30 hours watched in a week, which um, isn't bad for, for, you know, when we had video and when we didn't. But mainly it's, it's engagement and, and how deeply connected people are staying with the show and connecting with us. Yeah, it's definitely, um, ROI is one of those difficult things. Um, you know, a little background about the Search Engine Journal show and kind of, you know, sharing a little information here. Um, we actually have tried and looked at canceling the search engine journal show three or four times over the last six years. You know, it came out in 2014. Um, We are, this will be episode 201 when this goes live. Uh, uh, I think uh, Lauren Baker's doing a a special one for episode 200. Um, And we, we started calculating out and looking at the return you know, from a podcasting standpoint, and we actually kept finding it to be a positive ROI in the sense of just looking at the ROI. Like, are we getting visibility? Are we getting branding? Are we getting connections with potential, you know, contributors? Are we, you know, selling advertisements? Are we doing A, B, C, and D? And we kept having an answer of, yes, we are. But ultimately, we, I recently, in the last two months, went through an exercise of saying, is the ROI as good as other areas could be? Like, are we, am I spending, you know, yes, everything looks good from the podcast, but based on the hours, the money, the time, and the energy spent, if we were doing more eBooks, if we were doing video content, if we were doing guides, would we see a higher return? And ultimately, kind of making a live announcement here, we came to the conclusion uh, last week that this will actually be, this episode with you guys, will be the last Search Engine Journal show. And we are going to stop um, as of this, you know, as of after this podcast. We are no longer going to record any more Search Engine Journal shows. And that was really, again, not because we didn't think there was value from it, but we just have some really big initiatives for the rest of this year and and for next year. And we're going to be really putting a lot of energy into those initiatives. And so we're going to transition a lot of our efforts on podcasts to showcasing marketing o'clock more um, and really kind of letting marketing o'clock take over as our podcast. You know, obviously it's your podcast, but through the partnership, uh, you know, let it kind of take over and be kind of the podcast for Search Engine Journal. So uh, there you go. We're, we're going to stop recording the show and, uh, you know, want to thank everybody out there who, you know, has been listening, um, who has participated, uh, everybody who reached out and wanted to be a guest on the show. I know I didn't respond to you. Uh, it was not personal. Uh, it was just a structural thing. But um, I, I, I was always um, touched. I was always 
um, appreciative. And I always thought it was really cool, um, you know, that people wanted to participate with the show, thought it was a cool show and listened to the show. So for all of you who did, thank you very much for your support. Um, and, and, and please continue to listen. You know, take your, take, take your listen, you know, if it's, if it's exclusively from Search Engine Journal show, make sure to go and subscribe to Marketing Clock. Make sure, you know, trust me, like when Greg came to me a while back, I don't even know how far back when you guys were, you know, kind of re you know, thinking about the show and restructuring. And Greg was like, hey, you know, me, if you don't know it, me and Greg have known each other forever. Like, I mean, we go back to the beginning of this industry, you know, and, and, and the beginning of our, you know, I think you were in it longer than me, but pretty close to the beginning of our careers. Um, and Greg was like, look, I want to work together. Let's see what we can do together. And it was a really easy fit. It was like, it was very easy conversation. We just, you know, started kind of working on, you know, partnering together, you know, with marketing of clock. And I want to continue to promote that and continue to say that the reason why you know, we were so adamant about it and so happy to participate was the fact that the show was exactly what I wanted to make. Like, the thing was like search engine journal show for me was always supposed to be marketing a clock. That's what I wanted. I just didn't know how to produce it. And you guys with the rapport, with the, 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 the timeliness, the way you produce it, you produced the show I wanted to produce. And so I just wanted to get out of the way and let you guys do it. And that's kind of a bit, you know, that's not the decision for why we, we, we stopped doing Search Engine Journal show, but it's my testimonial to why I think everybody should be listening to Marketing O'Clock is because it's the show that I wanted um, and, and it's the show I want to listen to. So go out there, subscribe to it. And, uh, you know, thank you guys so much for doing such an amazing show in general. Great. Thank Thanks you. so much, Brent. And, and just one other note is <clears throat> if anybody wants more of those interviews, Brent, you've got some great stuff on your YouTube channel. I know that there's interviews that you've got from Bartosh, you've got Perna, you've got a bunch of different stuff on there. And even those webinars that you've got up there are great. So, you know, there's a lot of good information if you say, hey, these marketing o'clock jesters aren't for us. <laughs> like, don't don't sleep on the Search Engine Journal YouTube channel as well. Yeah, for sure. We're, gonna, we're putting a lot of stuff up there and... Um, we uh, part of um, we've actually hired quite a few people at Search Engine General over the last couple months, and we have a videographer, Jeremy, um, who's extremely talented, and he's going to be working on um, a lot more video content. And we're going to start moving, not moving as if we're like going away from something, but we're going to start doing a lot more video content in general. And that's where I'm going to be focusing a lot of my energy on. Um, I'm I'm going to be doing a lot more video content. Um, specifically just myself talking you know, on video and sharing information that I think is interesting and relevant, um, as well as kind of exploring a, a video contributor uh, channel where we can start to really focus on video. So definitely the YouTube channel, uh, you know, Search Engine Journal on YouTube is definitely a place that's going to continue to grow. It's some place that Marketing O'Clock is prevalent on um, and that we're going to have new shows on, not shows like as podcast shows, but shows as in just like articles and whatnot, um, video, you know, articles or whatever however you call them i guess they are called shows now 
But uh, so definitely check that out. Check out Marketing Clock. Um, and, you know, just really thank you for taking the time, letting me kind of join your setup and, uh, you know, let me introduce kind of a little bit of a deeper dive into what you guys do. I think that it was extremely helpful for anybody listening to kind of see some of those questions and like how it was like approached and how that decision can be made on each one of those areas and what to kind of think about. Um, so thank you for the time. Thank you, uh, Shep. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Hope. Uh, and uh, thanks for joining me on the show and everybody else out there. Thanks again for, you know, uh, the support of the show. Make sure you uh, please continue to support uh, Marketing O'Clock. And uh, thanks. Thanks, Brent. Thanks for Thank having you. us. <laughs> Cheers. Hey there, I'm not Brent Satoris. I'm not Danny Goodwin. And I'm not Lauren Baker. That's Greg Finn and Jess Budd, and I'm Christine Zernhaus. If you listen to the Search Engine Journal show, we think you'll love our critically acclaimed SEJ network podcast, Marketing O'Clock. Join us every week as we report the latest SEO, PPC, and social media marketing news. This is a show for real-life marketers who want to do great work. And because we're IRL marketers too, we know you're talking about attribution, schema, and CPCs all day long. So we keep it light with plenty of spicy hot takes, puns, and rants. Plus, we talk about what's working hard and what's hardly working in our accounts and share what news stories have us saying WTH every week. So if you're ready to become a better marketer, subscribe wherever you consume podcasts and listen to new episodes fresh for you each and every Friday morning. Only on the SEJ Network.